me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there, it's Rachel Mullins, the host of Hashtag No Filter Fridays on Public House Media. Once again, welcome back to the Caught Listening Podcast, presented by Public House Media. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts on Google and Apple Play, as well as on Spreaker.com, Stitcher.com, iHeartRadio, and of course, you can find us on PublicHouseMedia.org. This is the baseball podcast that goes beyond the foul lines, uh, and a little bit of a, a somber uh, episode today, but kind of a celebration as as well. Uh, the baseball world lost one of its greats uh, earlier this year in Mr. Tiger, Al Kaline, uh, the 18-time uh, All-Star, the Hall of Famer, um, the man who, uh, of course, his nickname bears a franchise in, in Mr. Tiger, um, one of the greatest players. Uh, Hitters, one of the greatest players, one of the greatest men probably uh, baseball has ever seen. And to help us talk about him, celebrate the life of him, is MLB.com Detroit Tigers beat writer Jason Beck. Uh, Jason, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. And and real quick, I mean, a, a lot of people, a lot of kids today in, in baseball, you know, it, it's a sport that is so much latching onto its history and so much celebrates its history, but Despite that, there are still some legends that maybe, unless you know you're you're a fan of that franchise, maybe you don't know or understand their impact. So, for for those non-Tiger fans, um, what does Al Kaline mean to the sport of baseball? I mean, it's I guess the best way I can put it for people who weren't around him and don't remember his playing days is. Al Kaline, you know, this was before the days of the draft, so you could sign guys right. as soon as they graduated from high school. Al Kaline signed the day after his high school graduation, mm-hmm. and be, when you signed for a certain bonus, you had to go straight to the major leagues for at least a couple of years. You couldn't spend any time in the minor leagues. So he signs with the Tigers the day after his high school graduation. A week or so later... He's with the big. He's with the Detroit Tigers. Makes his major league debut at 18. He spent the rest of his life with or around the Tigers. Mm. You know, working for that organization. So we're talking 67, maybe even this would have been his 68th year. So I think about that. Not just in sports, but even in life. Who does that? Yeah. It's just an incredible feat. And so when people say he's Mr. Tiger, when GM Alavila calls him, you know, the father or grandfather of the organization, he was the Tigers in a very real sense. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just around. He was very active with the organization 
long after his fun days are done. First, as, you know, for a quarter century as a broadcaster, and then as a very influential member of the front office. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Cause I've been reading a lot of your stuff, and, and, and when you talk about, you know, uh, General Manager Avila saying that, uh, you know, the father of the organization, it goes to more than just the numbers, just the stats of what he really meant uh, to the Tigers franchise in terms of how much he was wanting to give back. Because it wasn't as if, you know, we look at some of these these legends and, and the hometown kids, you know, like, for instance, how much... You know, Cal Ripken in, in, in 40, 50 years will be remembered for that because he was born just outside of Baltimore. It's not as if Al was born outside of Detroit. He was from Baltimore, ended up coming there, and like you said, you know, spent the better part of six decades, seven decades um, you know, with that organization. As a human being, as a man, what was he, he like to be around, and what was he like to the organization? He, you know, he wasn't a very public guy, which is kind of – Interesting, considering how public of a figure he was. You know, mm-hmm. he, he liked to he did he liked to listen more than he liked to talk. Um, he didn't make his presence heavily felt. He liked to be there. He liked to observe. You know, he had thoughts, but you know, he, he kept he tended to keep his private life private. And you know, for for me, you know, I came onto the Tigers beat in two thousand two. You know, it took a few years before I was able to to really kind of, you know, have good conversations with Al because, first of all, you know, you felt kind of humbled in his presence. And mind yeah. you, I wasn't somebody who grew up in Michigan. I actually grew up in Pennsylvania, a pirate mm-hmm. fan. But the more you knew and learned about Al Kaline, and not just the numbers and the accomplishments in the career, but the way he carried himself, there was a grace to Al Kaline. Um, you could tell long after his playing days are done, he was a great athlete. He's just one of those guys where you know you just know the way they move, you know, the way they carry themselves, you know, everything is composed, calm. You know, you could tell he was an accomplished athlete during his time. But he didn't like to brag about his stats. And he didn't mm-hmm. he felt almost embarrassed at times when he brought up his stats around him. But he felt like he could help younger players, and he felt like he could help the next generation, not just the next generation after him, but the generation after that and after that and after that. He was helping guys, you know, the last couple of years who were 60 years separated from him in age, which is incredible, Mm -hmm. and they still gave him an incredible amount of respect, and they wanted his opinion, which is amazing to me. You know the the numbers do speak for themselves. I mean, three thousand hits. Uh, he was one home run shy of four hundred. He was a career two ninety seven batting average. Uh, batting average, um, eighteen All Star games, sixteen of them in a row from fifty five uh, to sixty seven. Um, and then, of course, you know the ten uh, time Gold Glove award, the 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 World Series championship in sixty eight, the Hall of Fame, all that stuff. Uh, but it's interesting to hear you talk about that because that's almost reminiscent of the era. And, and he kind of was at the tail end of that era where, or I shouldn't say the tail end of, of that era, but maybe he was with that group where it wasn't necessarily really about their accomplishments. And he kind of left, um, you know, his last game being in the early seventies in 74 
where this era of superstars started to kind of really show up and and then you know you get into the 80s and free agency and all that other stuff and and them kind of taking on a life of their own it almost kind of embodied the era with which he was in and and knowing where he came from and how much it took to actually get to where he was yeah yeah you know, when, when he came up you know Ted Williams was still active yeah. I, I believe so you know he was one of Ted Williams's uh, favorite players mm-hmm. um and Ted Williams loved Hank Greenberg before that. Yeah. And then now you, you go forward as Al Kaline is finishing up. That is just before we get to the era of Alan Trammell and Lance Parrish and Jack Morris. So, you know, just the, the times he witnessed, you know, the, the DH had just come in. Yeah. Um, we were about to get into the era of free agency. Now, just what he saw, during his time playing is amazing. And he kind of, he helped bridge that gap for Detroit. What he saw in Detroit is incredible. You consider Mm -hmm. what the city went through, both with the upswing after World War II and then the tough times in the 60s and early 70s. Um, You know, he really, he became kind of the heart and soul of Detroit. Um, Him and Willie Horton, uh, it really was incredible. Um, but, you know, when you talk about his playing career, I really believe that if some of the advanced metrics we had today were around back mm-hmm. then, he would have gotten a lot more attention. Because when you go on baseball reference or, or fan graphs and you look at some of these numbers, they would have been very kind to Al Kaline and would have given you a lot, more, a lot better glimpse into really how good of a hitter he was and really how good of an overall player. Because offense and defense, you know, people rave about the type of arm he had. And then when you look at the walk and strikeout numbers, he was a really tough at bat for a really long time. Yeah. Well into his thirties. He he really was tough to strike out. And you know, I, I believe during his four years he he ended up with the more you know right around like an even ratio of walks to strikeouts. And incredibly enough, you know, I looked it up the other day, he ended up with a higher overall batting average and he had a batting average on balls in play, which is not easy to do. You know, there's only, there's less than a dozen guys with 10,000 at-bats in the Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. who were able to do that for the course of their careers. What it means is you're able to hit for a lot of power, but you also struck out very rarely and that epitomized Al Kaline and you you won't see that again just because of the nature of the way the game is nowadays and that's all you know one of the the great things and and one of the ways that you know numbers and baseball in particular the stats are what help kind of compare across eras and you've got a great piece on MLB.com Al Kaline one of MLB's toughest at bats and you're talking about batting average uh, on balls in play, he's third in Tiger history behind Hank Greenberg and Alan Trammell. That 1954 year, um, he's uh, third best single season in Tiger's history. But over the course of his career and across Major League Baseball, you you highlighted in here, among Hall of Famers with at least 10,000 plate appearances since 1900, only 10 are better than Al Kaline's 296 batting average with balls in play. And among those names, Ted Williams, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Mel Ott, Babe Ruth, Ernie Banks, Honus Wagner, Stan Musial. I mean, there there are legends of the game that he is in company with. 
Yeah, and you know, the our stack has people um, had great stats. Uh, I believe it was yesterday or today, where if you look at uh, career right fielders who played, you know, um, at least half their games in right field, Al Kaline is fourth in terms of wins above replacement, according to Baseball Reference. Mm-hmm. He's just behind Roberto Clemente. You know, Hank Aaron's at the top. He's ahead of Reggie Jackson, Larry Walker, Paul Wehner, Tony Gwynn. Mm-hmm. Now, it just it, it's amazing what he was able to do. And just and you, I almost wish that we could have gotten some of these advanced metrics, not just in terms of war and, and these, but even just um, you know some of the uh, TrackMan stuff in terms yeah. of. Uh, Exit velocity and sprint speed because in his prime, how Kaline could do it all, you know, um, arm strength. You know, I, you wish you could have gotten some of this stuff on him <laughs> because he was a tremendous athlete in his prime. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you chronicle it and a lot of what he meant uh, on the field, off the field, all of that stuff. One of the things that I think is so intriguing that that's just incredible because today's game has shifted so much to an all or nothing, you know, strikeout or home run type hitters is what we're seeing. And and it's what makes guys like Mike Trout so rare in today's game. But Al, even in an era where pitching dominated or in an era where everybody was trying to hit for, for average and for power and all of that stuff, and, and there weren't a lot of strikeouts, he was still the cream of the crop in that 1955 when he was the, the youngest uh, batting champion in the American League. He had eight home runs with runners in scoring position and only nine strikeouts with runners in scoring position. You'll have games now where there are nine strikeouts with runners in scoring position from a single team. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the numbers, you know, looking up the splits and think I, I was amazed that baseball reference had these. Yeah. You know, it was like a 28 to 9 walk to strikeout ratio with runners in scoring position for him. And it's not like they were all intentional walks. In fact, very few of them were. Right. Mm-hmm. But he just, and but he, you, you, I think even beyond that, I, I don't know if I included it, but he had like six sacrifice flies in there, six at least six, maybe even more. He was just such a tough at bat, and he got tougher as the situation got bigger. He didn't shy away from from the big at bat. And you consider how good of a hitter he was, even into his 30s, that at age 33 in 1968, he was so important to that 68 team that they moved their center fielder to shortstop, <laughs> it's <a> shortstop. <laughs> that they could get Al Kaline <laughs> yeah. in the lineup for the World Series. Right. For the World Series. When he, when he had a, like, a, like a broken bone in his wrist or something, too, earlier that year, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yes, and, absolutely. <laughs> Um, in, uh, in 1954, his first full season in the big leagues at age, um, yeah, at age nine, he was a teenager yeah. at age 19 and he put up this tremendous streak w- without striking out. I think it was like 70 some at bats. That's amazing for a teenager in the major leagues to be doing that. <laughs> and that was the year before he, he won the batting title at age 20. Right. <laughs> and that was uh, the year he finished third in Rookie of the Year voting uh, to Bob Grimm of the New York Yankees, who uh, went 20-6 and six as a pitcher. 
with a 326 ERA. So, um, yeah, just I- I- incredible and, and impressive. We're talking with Jason Beck, a MajorLeagueBaseball.com Tigers beat writer here uh, about the, the life and legacy of Al Kaline. And I want to kind of go back to that 68 World Series because you, you lead off your, your piece about him as one of the toughest hitters, um, reminiscing uh, from 2008 when the Tigers celebrated the 50th anniversary of that 68 World Series championship. And he talked so much about what saying it was an honor to play on that team and what they did. We we were just talking about it, but to get him into the lineup and it's so impressive. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the start and about what his um, demeanor is. It was like, and his personality was like, and that was just to even being one of the greatest, if not the greatest Detroit tiger of all time to be honored to be on that world series team and what they were willing to do to put him in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, um, I wrote about it, you know, because the anniversary was uh, mm-hmm. 2018, and you know, I must have talked with him for 10, 15 minutes about his memories of that, and it was all about his teammates. I don't know if he said a word about anything he did in that World Series, other than being hurt and coming back. Um, you know, he talked about the sacrifice that Mickey Stanley made to move mm-hmm. from center field to shortstop and how nervous Mickey was about making a mistake that might cost him a game. But he also talked about how much he loved and respected Bill Freehand and how he felt like Bill Freehand has a case to, to be in the uh, Hall of Fame. Um, you know, he talked about how clutch of a pitcher Mickey Rolich was. Yeah, he talked about all these guys and, and almost nothing about himself. Mm-hmm. And that really typified the Al Kaline that I got to know. He he really, he wanted to talk more about other people. He didn't want to talk about his own accomplishments. He, he really didn't. He had to talk to other guys about what Al Kaline was about. And that's, and I kept coming out about, you know, and I kept, uh, you know, as I've written stories about him in the days since his passing, a lot of the quotes are of teammates and contemporaries talking about Al Kaline, not about Al talking about himself. Yeah. Because it was tough for them to do that. It, and especially in, in a World Series where he hit. 379 with two homers and eight RBIs, you know, and, and was was a very integral part of of that rally for for Detroit, uh, who came back from down 3-1 to win to win the World Series there in 1968. Um, very few people, uh, you know, when you when you talk nicknames, very few um, are of the franchise that they represent. You know, obviously one that comes to mind is is of course Ernie Banks and Mister Cub, but what about Al Kaline epitomizes the Detroit Tigers organization and, and earns him that moniker of Mr. Tiger? I think it's a combination of longevity, um, long-time greatness, grace, and humility. Um, because, mind you, I didn't grow up a Tigers fan. I grew up a mm-hmm. Pirates fan because I grew up in Pennsylvania. But... In my, I guess this is my 19th year covering Tigers. Now, the guys I think of when I think about the Tigers are Al Kaline, Bernie Harwell, and Alan Trammell. Mm-hmm. 
And those three guys, I, I think, really epitomize those qualities. You know, that, um, you know, Bedan only stuck around a, a long time. They bridged generations and they yeah. earned respect, but they also carried themselves with such an incredible amount of class and such an unselfish quality, all of them. And I, I just don't know how many other, other organizations have that. I think you can include Willie Horton in that, um, mm-hmm. in that group too. Um, he's still, you know, does a ton of stuff in the community of Detroit. And, you know, he had a uh, street named after him, I think, just last year or the year before up here. But, um, you know, just – and I think when you find those qualities in so many guys from an organization that reflects so greatly on that – on that uh, on the ball club. And, and I think the Tigers and Detroit are, are very lucky to have had guys like that in the organization. And when you talk to, you know, talking with, with Trammell, he said that he watched the way Al Kaline carried himself. Mm-hmm. Granted, you know, Al had retired by the time Cham was drafted, let alone right. came up, but he was around the club a lot in his broadcasting role. And, and Tram said that he watched the way he talked, how he spoke, what he talked about. And when you, talk and have a conversation with Trammell when you watch the way Trammell carries himself it makes a ton of sense because you see a lot of those same qualities and I think being able to pass that down from generation to generation says a lot about what Al Kalon was about Is there a, a contemporary player, a current person in the major leagues that you know maybe kind of you could best compare their abilities on the field to Al Kalon? Abilities on the field. Wow. Um, you know, it's, that's a good, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, man, oh man. Uh, you know, there, there were some Mike Trout qualities to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he could run the same way. It's, as it's the Trout. only person I can when think of. The, the multifaceted. Yeah. Um, you know, among the guys that, that I've, had the privilege of covering, yeah, I think, um, you know, maybe there's some Curtis Grand- Curtis Granderson had some mm-hmm. of those qualities, although Curtis played center in Detroit. Um, and I think really the overall skill set and the way they carry themselves, I think Curtis, there's a lot of Curtis that reminds me of Al Kaline, really does, just overall. The game, the way mm-hmm. he carries himself, the way he looks to give back, uh, the way he helps out the you know the younger generation, uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot that carries over. So I you know, I, I think that's one comparison I could make. I think um, trying to think who else, you know, man, I, I I think that's that's a good one. I I think uh, Nick Castellanos had some yeah. of those qualities too. I think it took a while for those to come out. It's just so tough to, you know, because again, he it was a different era where, where you know, it wasn't so much swinging for the fences or, or striking out. It was, it, it was putting balls in play. It was moving runners over. It was, it was contributing in other ways. And, and so I think the guys that you've named, um, you know, make, make perfect sense when you think about it, you know, and it, it, it might be tough for some people, you know, there's, there's video, but it's tough to, to go back and really kind of 
kind of picture it here. Uh, I, I hate to, to you know speak in, in this kind of terms about something you know about someone's someone's passing, but this would have been the second full week of the Major League Baseball season had it not been for the COVID nineteen pandemic. And I know you've been in contact with members of the Tigers organization in terms of how they're planning to celebrate. Al Kaline's memory once we are able to play baseball and there are able to be games in Detroit again. But I almost feel as though we wouldn't be able to have these kind of conversations if we were in the midst of a baseball season right at the start of the year. Yeah, I've thought about that. And like, I hope that somehow we're able to get games in Detroit because it would be a shame if we're not able to celebrate Al Kaline's life at the ballpark. Mm-hmm. You know, I think back to when Ernie Parwell passed away. They actually had a public viewing at Comerica Park. Um, it wasn't a game day. It was a, I believe, an off day for the team. And I, re- I covered that, and I'll never forget the lines of people that uh, that wanted to show up and pay their respects to Ernie, and, you know, they wrapped around the around mm-hmm. the corners. They almost wrapped around the ballpark, I believe, at one point. And these were people who may have never had a chance to speak to Ernie Harwell in their lives, but they felt like that Ernie was a part of their lives from watching and listening to him for all those years. And I I wish there would have been a chance to do that for Al Kaline and to, to have to allow people to kind of pay their respects and their things and kind of have that connection. And it's too bad, but if we could at least get a, a game, a day to celebrate his memory at the ballpark, like they were able to do for Ernie, like for Sparky Anderson, uh, like for Mike Yolich, that that would mean so much. It really would. We're talking with Jason Beck, a um, Detroit Tigers beat writer for MLB.com and uh, remembering Al Kaline. Jason, uh, every week we take questions from some fans and we play a little game called Pepper where you and I just kind of give a little quick hitter answer here to, to the question that is posed by our by our fans. And again, you can uh, submit your questions every single week on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go uh, just search Caught Listening by Public House Media or email the show CaughtListeningPHM at gmail.com. Got two quick ones here for you, Jason. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. All right. First one here comes from David. Uh, who, since Mr. Tiger, uh, and of course Al was the first Tiger to have his number retired, who's going to be the next Detroit Tiger? You know, it's funny you mention that because I, I actually have a, p- a piece about that up on uh, <laughs> MLB.com. Um, yeah, I think player-wise, it's going to de- probably depend on who retires first, whether it's Justin Verlander or Miguel Cabrera. Mm-hmm. I think those are the most likely guys. Now, mind you, Lou Whitaker is going to have his number retired at some point. Um, you know, whenever they, you know, whenever we're able to resume baseball, you know, right. Lou is already next up. They've already announced that. So I'm not counting that. Okay. But once you get past that, you're probably looking at uh, Verlander or Cabrera. Um, there's a chance Maybe Jim Leland gets his number retired. It, that depends on in a couple of years if the uh, uh, mod, or today's game committee for the Hall of Fame puts him in as a manager. 
Yeah, he was he was my thought was was maybe Jim Leland goes uh, gets it next um, based on what he did. But then I, I think you know out of those two players, uh, you know I, I think it probably end up being Cabrera. But I know his contracts for another like three or four years or something like that. So who knows uh, on on those guys? Uh, all right, and then last one here. This one's kind of funny actually because I had to look up the numbers when I uh, when I got this. But uh, Eric is wondering, is uh, Yogi Berra winning the MVP over Al Kaline in 1955, one of the biggest robberies in sports? <laughs> I had to look up the numbers on this. I, I don't think know if, so, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, and I agree 100%. How a guy... So Yogi Berra's numbers, he slashed 272, 349, and 470 that year. Al slashed 340, 421, and 546, played in every single game, had 53 more hits, uh, 37 more runs, 22 more walks, had six fewer RBIs in the same number of home runs. So I don't understand how Al Kaline did not win the MVP in 1955. It's, it's, it really is incredible how that <laughs> happened. You know, you... you, you wish that you know if the award voting had the visibility then mm-hmm. that it does now and if we had some of those metrics then that we do now you wonder what you know if the vote would have been similar than what the outcry would have been at the time i would have loved to have heard it yeah i mean ted williams hit 356 and finished fourth in that year, and Mickey Mantle had a hundred and uh, excuse me, ninety nine RBIs and thirty seven home runs, hit three hundred six, thirty points better than his teammate, and finished fifth. So I have no idea what they were thinking in, in nineteen fifty five. But <laughs> so. I, I think that was one of those areas where I, I think back then, you know, talking to people, there was a lot of credence given to did your team win yeah. the league, and yeah. you know, sometimes the perceived best player from the winning team was the, uh, you know, that was the player who got it, rightly or wrongly. And I think that, you know, over the years, that thought process has has changed. Certainly in the last um, 10 to 15 years, I think there's been a big shift in in the the opinions about that as we've seen more and more metrics and we've seen wins above replacement uh, take some prominence. 100%. Jason, we appreciate the time so much in remembering the life and legacy of Mr. Tiger, Al Kaline. Before I let you go, first first off, uh, Howard, I know that these are crazy times and it's it's very strange. We don't think to ask this enough of people when they come on on shows and whatnot, but how are you with all of this? You, your family, the folks that you're around, how are you all doing in this as we we continue through this pandemic? Um, You know, I'm healthy. I'm Staying safe, I don't get out a lot, uh, for better or for worse. Um, you know, it's, and I don't want to, you know, make too much life from that because Detroit's going through really mm-hmm. tough times with us right now. You know, Detroit area has been one of the hardest hit, not just the city, but in some of the suburbs too. Has been have really been taking this hard. But um, you know, I, I've been safe. I, you know, I go out to run to get my exercise in because I'm a big runner. I go to uh, uh, grab groceries once a week or so, and I go to, you know, grab carry out once or twice a week, and that's about it. You know, I I stay socially isolated, which, you know, it helps when you're on the phone and, and uh, on the computer and online and doing a lot of as much writing as you can about um, – 
you know, classic games and uh, unfortunately friends that we lose and, um, you know, big figures that we lose, but uh, that's, well, I'm, I'm getting along and my family's all fine too, including the, uh, the family in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. And, and uh, I know you're keeping busy. You're, you're doing a lot of stuff there with MLB.com. Let the folks know, especially our Tiger fans who are listening, how they can follow you along if they aren't already on social media. Well, it's uh, on social media, it's at Beck Jason. Um, and on, on the, on the uh, traditional Internet, it is MLB.com and Tigers.com. Jason Beck, Detroit Tigers beat writer for MLB.com. We appreciate the time so much. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, You you, uh, stay safe as well. Jason Beck, MLB.com, Detroit Tigers beat writer. Again, at Beck Jason, B-E-C-K-J-A-S-O-N on Twitter. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know, uh, didn't know about Al Kaline, and I'll be honest, I knew of him. I knew he was Mr. Tiger. I knew he played right field. I knew he was a Hall of Famer. But really diving into this and, and who he was as a person and as a player, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you know his passing is what led to, to all of that. So we appreciate the time uh, from Jason to tell us the stories. Um, and, and the legacy of, of Mr. Tiger and what he means to that organization and to baseball as a whole. We thank you guys for being a part of the show as always. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family wherever you get your podcasts and search for Caught Listening by Public House Media on all social media platforms. I'm Christian Heimel, and until next week, you have been Caught Listening. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.